the enemies. Nikolai Jedi Carpathia, mid-thirties, former president of Romania, former secretary-general United Nations, self-appointed global community potentate, assassinated in Jerusalem, lying in state at GC Palace Complex, New Babylon. Leon Fortunato, early fifties, Carpathia's right hand and assumed successor, GC Supreme Commander, New Babylon. The Undecided Hattie Durham, early 30s, former pan-continental flight attendant, former personal assistant to Carpathia, imprisoned in Belgium. Dr. Chaim Rosenzweig, late 60s, Israeli botanist and statesman, discoverer of a formula that made Israeli deserts bloom, former Global Weekly Man of the Year, Apparent stroke victim, Jerusalem. Prologue From Assassins Buck had ducked under a scaffold at the sound of the gun. A tidal wave of humanity swept past him on both sides, and he saw glee on some faces. Converts from the Wailing Wall who had seen Carpathia murder their heroes... By the time Buck looked to the stage, the potentates were leaping off, the drapery was flying into the distance, and Chaim appeared catatonic, his head rigid. Carpathia lay on the platform, blood running from his eyes, nose, and mouth, and it appeared to Buck from the top of his head. His lapel mic was still hot, and because Buck was directly under a speaker tower, he heard Nikolai's liquid, guttural murmur, but I thought, I thought, I did everything you asked. Fortunato draped his stocky body over Carpathia's chest, reached beneath him and cradled him. Sitting on the stage, he rocked his potentate, wailing. Don't die, Excellency, Fortunato bawled. We need you. The world needs you. I need you. Security forces surrounded them, brandishing Uzis. Buck had experienced enough trauma for one day. He stood transfixed, with a clear view of the back of Carpathia's blood-matted skull. The wound was unmistakably fatal, and from where Buck stood, it was obvious what had caused it. I did not expect a gunshot. Zion said, staring at the television as GC security cleared the stage and whisked Carpathia away. Two hours later, GC CNN confirmed the death and played over and over the grieving pronouncement of Supreme Commander Leon Fortunato. We shall carry on in the courageous spirit of our founder and moral anchor, potentate Nikolai Carpathia. The cause of death will remain confidential until the investigation is complete, but you may rest assured the guilty party will be brought to justice. The news media reported that the slain potentate's body would lie in state in the New Babylon Palace before entombment there on Sunday. Don't leave the TV, Chloe, Zion said. You have to assume the resurrection will be caught on camera. But when Friday became Saturday in Mount Prospect, and Saturday night approached, even Zion began to wonder, 
the scriptures hadn't foretold of death by projectile. Antichrist was to die from a specific wound to the head and then come back to life. Carpathia still lay in state. By dawn Sunday, as Zion gloomily watched mourners pass the glass beer in the sun-drenched courtyard of the G.C. Palace, he had begun to doubt himself. Had he been wrong all along? Two hours before the burial, David Hasid was called into Leon Fortunato's office. Leon and his directors of intelligence and security huddled before a TV monitor. Leon's face revealed abject grief and the promise of vengeance. Once His Excellency is in the tomb, he said, his voice thick, the world can approach closure. Prosecuting his murderer can only help. Watch with us, David. The primary angles were blocked, but look at this collateral view. Tell me if you see what we see. David watched. Oh, no! he thought. It couldn't be. Well, Leon said, peering at him, is there any doubt? David stalled, but that only made the other two glance at him. The camera doesn't lie, Leon said. We have our assassin, don't we? Much as he wanted to come up with some other explanation for what was clear, David would jeopardize his position if he proved illogical. He nodded. We sure do. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Revelation chapter 11, verse 14. Monday of Gala Week Leah Rose prided herself on thinking under pressure. She'd been chief administrative nurse in a large hospital for a decade, and had also been one of few believers there the last three and a half years. She had survived by her wits and eluded global community peacekeeping forces until finally having to flee and join the tribulation force. But on the Monday of the week that would see the assassinations of the two witnesses and the Antichrist, Leah had no clue what to do. In disguise and under her alias Donna Clendenin, she believed she had fooled authorities at the Belgium Facility for Female Rehabilitation, BFFR, or Buffer. She had passed herself off as Hattie Durham's aunt. A squinting guard whose nameplate read Quoi, and whose accent was unmistakably French, asked, And what makes you think your niece is incarcerated here? You think I'd come all the way from California if I had any doubt? Leah said. Everybody knows Hattie is here, and I know her alias, May Willie. The guard cocked his head. And your message can be delivered only in person? A death in the family. I'm sorry. Leah pursed her lips, aware of her artificially protruding teeth. I'll bet, she thought. Qua stood and riffled through pages on his clipboard. Buffer is a maximum security facility without standard visiting privileges. Ms. Durham has been separated from the prison population. I would have to get clearance for you to see her. 
I could give her the message myself. All I want is five minutes, Leah said. You can imagine how short-staffed we are. Leah didn't respond. Millions had disappeared in the rapture. Half the remaining population had died since. Everybody was short-staffed. Merely existing anymore was a full-time job. Kwa asked her to wait in a holding area, but he didn't tell her she would see no personnel, no inmates, or even any other visitors for more than two hours. A glass cubicle where it appeared a clerical person had once sat was empty. No one was there whom Leah could ask how long this might take, and when she rose to look for someone else, she found she was locked in. Were they on to her? Was she now a prisoner, too? Just before Leah resorted to banging on the door and screaming for help, Kwa returned. Without apology, and, she noticed avoiding eye contact, he said, My superiors are considering your request and will call your hotel tomorrow. Leah fought a smile, as if I want you to know where I'm staying. How about I call you, Leah said. Suit yourself. Qua said with a shrug. Merci. Then, as if catching himself, Thank you. Relieved to be outside, Leah drove around to be sure she wasn't being followed. With puzzling instructions from Rayford not to call him until Friday, she phoned Buck and brought him up to date. I don't know whether to bolt or play it out, she said. That night in her hotel room, Leah felt a loneliness only slightly less acute than when she had first been left behind. She thanked God for the tribulation force and how they had welcomed her, all but Rayford, of course. She couldn't figure him. Here was a brilliant, accomplished man with clear leadership skills, someone she had admired until the day she moved into the safe house. They hadn't clicked, but everyone else seemed frustrated with him, too. In the morning, Leah showered and dressed and found something to eat, planning to see Hattie as soon as she had permission. She was going to call Buffer from her untraceable cell phone, but she got caught up watching on television as Carpathia taunted Moisha and Eli before the eyes of the world. She sat mouth agape as Carpathia murdered the two witnesses with a powerful handgun. Leah remembered when TV cameras would have been averted in the face of such violence. Then came the earthquake that left a tenth of Jerusalem in rubble. The GC Global Network showed quake scenes interspersed with footage of the silent witnesses badgered by the smirking Carpathia before their ignominious ends. The slow-motion pictures were broadcast over and over, and repulsed as she was, Leah could not turn away. She had known this was coming. They all had, any students of Zion ben Judah. But to see it played out shocked and saddened her, and Leah's eyes swam. She knew how it was to turn out, too, that they would be resurrected and that Carpathia would get his. Leah prayed for her new friends, some of whom were in Jerusalem, but she didn't want to sit there blubbering when she had work to do, too. Things would get a lot worse than this, and Leah needed the training of performing under pressure to prepare herself and to convince herself she was up to it.
The phone at Buffer rang and rang, and Leah was at least warm to know that the world government suffered just like the rank and file with the loss of half the population. Finally, a woman picked up, but Leah couldn't get her even to acknowledge an employee named Qua. A French guard? Leah tried. Uh, I know who you mean. Hold on. Finally, a man picked up. Who are you holding for, please? He said in a hurry. Guard Qua, she said. About six feet. Qua, the man hollered. Phone! But he never came to the phone. Leah finally hung up and drove to the prison, leaving her phone in the car for safety. At long last, Qua ushered her into yet another private room. This one had a large window that Leah thought might be a two-way mirror. Again, she feared her cover might have already been blown. I thought you were going to call, the guard said, pointing to a chair, ubiquitous clipboard in hand. I tried, she said. This place is poorly run. Understaffed, he said. Can we get on with it? Leah said, I need to see my niece. No. No? Qua stared at her, apparently unwilling to repeat himself. I'm listening, she said. I'm not at liberty to... Don't give me that, Leah said. If I can't see her, I can't see her, but I have the right to know she's healthy, that she's alive. She is both. Then why can't I see her? Qua pressed his lips together. She's been transferred, ma'am. Since yesterday? I'm not at liberty to... How long has she been gone? Where is she? He shook his head. I'm telling you what I was told. If you'd like to get a message to... I want to see her. I want to know she's all right. To the best of my knowledge, she's fine. The best of your knowledge... Have you any inkling how limited your knowledge is? Insulting me will not... I don't mean to insult you, sir. I'm merely asking to see my niece and... That's enough, Officer Qua, came a female voice from behind the glass. You may go. Qua left without a word or a look. Leah detected an Asian accent in the woman. She stood and stepped to the mirror. So what's next, ma'am? Am I to leave too, or will I get some word about my niece? Silence.